Section five of New Arabian Nights by Robert Louis Stevenson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Don W. Jenkins. The Rajah's Diamond. Story of the Bandbox. Up to the age of sixteen, at a private school, and afterwards at one of those great institutions for which England is justly famous, Mr. Harry Hartley had received the ordinary education of a gentleman. At that period he manifested a remarkable distaste for study, and his only surviving parent being both weak and ignorant, he was permitted thenceforward to spend his time in the attainment of petty and purely elegant accomplishments. Two years later he was left an orphan and almost a beggar. For all active and industrious pursuits Harry was unfitted alike by nature and training. He could sing romantic ditties and accompany himself with discretion on the piano. He was a disgraceful, although a timid, cavalier. He had a pronounced taste for chess, and nature had sent him into the world with one of the most engaging exteriors that can well be fancied. Blonde and pink, with dove's eyes and a gentle smile, he had an air of agreeable tenderness and melancholy, and the most submissive and caressing manners but when all is said he was not the man to lead armaments of war or direct the councils of a state a fortunate chance and some influence obtained for harry at the time of his bereavement the position of private secretary to major-general sir thomas vandeleur c b sir thomas was a man of sixty loud-spoken boisterous and domineering for some reason some service the nature of which had been often whispered and repeatedly denied the rajah of kashgar had presented this officer with the sixth known diamond of the world the gift transformed general vandeleur from a poor into a wealthy man from an obscure and unpopular soldier into one of the lions of london society the possessor of the rajah's diamond was welcome in the most exclusive circles and he had found a lady young beautiful and well-born who was willing to call the diamond hers even at the price of marriage to sir thomas vandeleur it was commonly said at the time that as like draws to like one jewel had attracted another certainly lady vandeleur was not only a gem of the finest water in her own person but she showed herself to the world in a very costly setting and she was considered by many respectable authorities as one among the three or four best-dressed women in england Harry's duty as secretary was not particularly onerous, but he had a dislike for all prolonged work. It gave him pain to ink his fingers, and the charms of Lady Vandeleur and her toilettes drew him often from the library to the boudoir. He had the prettiest ways among women, could talk fashions with enjoyment, and was never more happy than when criticizing a shade of ribbon or running on an errand to the milliners in short sir thomas's correspondence fell into pitiful arrears and my lady had another lady's maid at last the general who was one of the least patient of military commanders arose from his place in a violent access of passion and indicated to his secretary that he had no further need for his services with one of those explanatory gestures which are most rarely employed between gentlemen the door being unfortunately open mr hartley fell downstairs head foremost he arose somewhat hurt and very deeply aggrieved the life in the general's house precisely suited him he moved on a more or less doubtful footing in very genteel company he did little he ate of the best and he had a lukewarm satisfaction in the presence of lady vandeleur 
which in his own heart he dubbed by a more emphatic name immediately after he had been outraged by the military foot he hurried to the boudoir and recounted his sorrows you know very well my dear harry replied lady vandeleur for she called him by name like a child or a domestic servant that you never by any chance do what the general tells you no more do i you may say but that is different a woman can earn her pardon for a good year of disobedience by a single adroit submission and besides no one is married to his private secretary i shall be sorry to lose you but since you cannot stay longer in a house where you have been insulted i shall wish you good-bye and i promise you to make the general smart for his behaviour harry's countenance fell tears came into his eyes and he gazed on lady vandeleur with a tender reproach my lady said he what is an insult i should think little indeed of any one who could not forgive them by the score but to leave one's friends to tear up the bonds of affection he was unable to continue for his emotion choked him and he began to weep lady vandeleur looked at him with a curious expression this little fool she thought imagines himself to be in love with me why should he not become my servant instead of the general's he is good-natured obliging and understands dress and besides it will keep him out of mischief he is positively too pretty to be unattached that night she talked over the general who was already somewhat ashamed of his vivacity and harry was transferred to the feminine department where his life was little short of heavenly he was always dressed with uncommon nicety wore delicate flowers in his buttonhole and could entertain a visitor with tact and pleasantry he took a pride in servility to a beautiful woman received lady vandeleur's commands as so many marks of favour and was pleased to exhibit himself before other men who derided and despised him in his character of male lady's maid and man milliner nor could he think enough of his existence from a moral point of view wickedness seemed to him an essentially male attribute and to pass one's days with a delicate woman and principally occupied about trimmings was to inhabit an enchanted isle among the storms of life one fine morning he came into the drawing-room and began to arrange some music on top of the piano lady vandeleur at the other end of the apartment was speaking somewhat eagerly with her brother charlie pendragon an elderly young man much broken with dissipation and very lame of one foot the private secretary to whose entrance they paid no regard could not avoid overhearing a part of their conversation to-day or never said the lady once and for all it shall be done to-day to-day if it must be replied the brother with a sigh but it is a false step a ruinous step clara and we shall live to repent it dismally lady vandeleur looked her brother steadily and somewhat strangely in the face you forget she said the man must die at last upon my word clara said pendragon i believe you are the most heartless rascal in england you men she returned are so coarsely built that you can never appreciate a shade of meaning you are yourselves rapacious violent immodest careless of distinction and yet the least thought for the future shocks you in a woman i have no patience with such stuff you would despise in a common banker the imbecility that you expect to find in us you are very likely right replied her brother you are always cleverer than i and anyway you know my motto the family before all yes charlie she returned taking his hand in hers i know your motto better than you know it yourself and clara before the family is not that the second part of it indeed you are the best of brothers and i love you dearly 
Mr. Pendragon got up, looking a little confused by these family endearments. "'I had better not be seen,' said he. "'I understand my part to a miracle, and I'll keep an eye on the tame cat.' "'Do,' she replied. "'He is an abject creature and might ruin all.' She kissed the tips of her fingers to him daintily, and the brother withdrew by the boudoir and the back stair. "'Harry,' said Lady Vandeleur, turning towards the secretary as soon as they were alone, i have a commission for you this morning but you shall take a cab i cannot have my secretary freckled she spoke the last words with emphasis and a look of half-motherly pride that caused great contentment to poor harry and he professed himself charmed to find an opportunity of serving her it is another of our great secrets she went on archly and no one must know of it but my secretary and me sir thomas would make the saddest disturbance and if you only knew how weary i am of these scenes oh harry harry can you explain to me what makes you men so violent and unjust but indeed i know you cannot you are the only man in the world who knows nothing of these shameful passions you are so good harry and so kind you at least can be a woman's friend and do you know i think you make the others more ugly by comparison it is you said harry gallantly who are so kind to me you treat me like like a mother interposed lady vandeleur i try to be a mother to you or at least she corrected herself with a smile almost a mother i am afraid i am too young to be your mother really let us say a friend a dear friend she paused long enough to let her words take effect in harry's sentimental quarters but not long enough to allow him a reply but all this is beside our purpose she resumed you will find a bandbox in the left-hand side of the oak wardrobe it is underneath the pink slip that i wore on wednesday with my mechlin you will take it immediately to this address and she gave him a paper but do not on any account let it out of your hands until you have received a receipt written by myself do you understand answer if you please answer this is extremely important and i must ask you to pay some attention harry pacified her by repeating her instructions perfectly and she was just going to tell him more when general vandeleur flung into the apartment scarlet with anger and holding a long and elaborate milliner's bill in his hand will you look at this madam cried he will you have the goodness to look at this document i know well enough you married me for my money and i hope i can make as great allowances as any other man in the service but as sure as god made me i mean to put a period to this disreputable prodigality mr hartley said lady vandeleur i think you understand what you have to do may i ask you to see to it at once stop said the general addressing harry one word before you go and then turning again to lady vandeleur what is this precious fellow's errand he demanded i trust him no further than i do yourself let me tell you if he had as much as the rudiments of honesty he would scorn to stay in this house and what he does for his wages is a mystery to all the world what is his errand madam and why are you hurrying him away i supposed you had something to say to me in private replied the lady you spoke about an errand insisted the general do not attempt to deceive me in my present state of temper you certainly spoke about an errand if you insist on making your servants privy to our humiliating dissensions replied lady vandeleur perhaps i had better ask mr hartley to sit down no she continued then you may go mr hartley i trust you may remember all that you have heard in this room it may be useful to you 
harry at once made his escape from the drawing-room and as he ran upstairs he could hear the general's voice upraised in declamation and the thin tones of lady vandeleur planting icy repartees at every opening how cordially he admired the wife how skilfully she could evade an awkward question and with what secure effrontery she repeated her instructions under the very guns of the enemy and on the other hand how he detested the husband there had been nothing unfamiliar in the morning's events for he was continually in the habit of serving lady vandeleur on secret missions principally connected with millinery there was a skeleton in the house as he well knew the bottomless extravagance and the unknown liabilities of the wife had long since shallowed her own fortune and threatened day by day to engulf that of the husband once or twice in every year exposure and ruin seemed imminent and harry kept trotting round to all sorts of furnishers shops telling small fibs and paying small advances on the gross amount until another term was tided over and the lady and her faithful secretary breathed again for harry in a double capacity was heart and soul upon that side of the war not only did he adore lady vandeleur and fear and dislike her husband but he naturally sympathized with the love of finery and his own single extravagance was at the tailor's he found the bandbox where it had been described arranged his toilette with care and left the house the sun shone brightly the distance he had to travel was considerable and he remembered with dismay that the general's sudden eruption had prevented lady vandeleur from giving him money for a cab on this sultry day there was every chance that his complexion would suffer severely and to walk through so much of london with a bandbox on his arm was a humiliation almost insupportable to a youth of his character he paused and took counsel with himself the vandeleurs lived in eaton place his destination was near notting hill plainly he might cross the park by keeping well in the open and avoiding populous alleys and he thanked his stars when he reflected that it was still comparatively early in the day anxious to be rid of his incubus he walked somewhat faster than his ordinary and he was already some way through kensington gardens when in a solitary spot among trees he found himself confronted by the general i beg your pardon sir thomas observed harry politely falling on one side for the other stood directly in his path where are you going sir asked the general i am taking a little walk among the trees replied the lad the general struck the bandbox with his cane what that thing he cried you lie sir and you know you lie indeed sir thomas returned harry i am not accustomed to be questioned in so high a key you do not understand your position said the general you are my servant and a servant of whom i have conceived the most serious suspicions how do i know but that your box is full of teaspoons it contains a silk hat belonging to a friend said harry very well replied general vandeleur then i want to see your friend's silk hat i have he added grimly a singular curiosity for hats and i believe you know me to be somewhat positive i beg your pardon sir thomas i am exceedingly grieved harry apologized but indeed this is a private affair the general caught him roughly by the shoulder with one hand while he raised his cane in the most menacing manner with the other harry gave himself up for lost but at the same moment heaven vouchsafed him an unexpected defender in the person of charlie pendragon who now strode forward from behind the trees come come general hold your hand said he this is neither courteous nor manly ah cried the general wheeling around upon his new antagonist 
mr pendragon and do you suppose mr pendragon that because i have had the misfortune to marry your sister i shall suffer myself to be dogged and thwarted by a discredited and bankrupt libertine like you my acquaintance with lady vandeleur sir has taken away all my appetite for the other members of her family and do you fancy general vandeleur retorted charlie that because my sister has had the misfortune to marry you she there and then forfeited her rights and privileges as a lady i own sir that by that action she did as much as anybody could to derogate from her position but to me she is still a pendragon i make it my business to protect her from ungentlemanly outrage and if you were ten times her husband i would not permit her liberty to be restrained nor her private messengers to be violently arrested how is that mr hartley interrogated the general mr pendragon is of my opinion it appears he too suspects that lady vandeleur has something to do with your friend's silk hat charlie saw that he had committed an unpardonable blunder which he hastened to repair how sir he cried i suspect do you say i suspect nothing only where i find strength abused in a man brutalizing his inferiors i take the liberty to interfere and as he said these words he made a sign to harry which the latter was too dull or too much troubled to understand in what way am i to construe your attitude sir demanded vandeleur why sir as you please replied pendragon the general once more raised his cane and made a cut for charlie's head but the latter lame foot and all evaded the blow with his umbrella ran in and immediately closed with his formidable adversary run harry run he cried run you dolt harry stood petrified for a moment watching the two men sway together in this fierce embrace then he turned and took to his heels when he cast a glance over his shoulder he saw the general prostrate under charlie's knee but still making desperate efforts to reverse the situation and the gardens seemed to have filled with people who were running from all directions towards the scene of the fight this spectacle lent the secretary wings and he did not relax his pace until he had gained the bayswater road and plunged at random into an unfrequented by-street to see two gentlemen of his acquaintance thus brutally mauling each other was deeply shocking to harry he desired to forget the sight he desired above all to put as great a distance as possible between himself and general vandeleur and in his eagerness for this he forgot everything about his destination and hurried before him headlong and trembling when he remembered that lady vandeleur was the wife of one and the sister of the other of these gladiators his heart was touched with sympathy for a woman so distressingly misplaced in life even his own situation in the general's household looked hardly so pleasing as usual in the light of these violent transactions he had walked some little distance busied with these meditations before a slight collision with another passenger reminded him of the bandbox on his arm heavens cried he where was my head and whither have i wandered thereupon he consulted the envelope which lady vandeleur had given him the address was there but without a name harry was simply directed to ask for the gentleman who expected a parcel from lady vandeleur and if he were not at home to await his return the gentleman added the note should present a receipt in the handwriting of the lady herself all this seemed mightily mysterious and harry was above all astonished at the omission of the name and the formality of the receipt he had thought little of this last when he heard it dropped in conversation but reading in cold blood and taking it in connection with the other strange particulars he became convinced that he was engaged in perilous affairs for half a moment he had a doubt of lady vandeleur herself for he found these obscure proceedings somewhat unworthy of so high a lady 
and became more critical when her secrets were preserved against himself but her empire over his spirit was too complete he dismissed his suspicions and blamed himself roundly for having so much as entertained them in one thing however his duty and interest his generosity and his terrors coincided to get rid of the bandbox with the greatest possible dispatch he accosted the first policeman and courteously inquired his way it turned out he was already not far from his destination and a walk of a few minutes brought him to a small house in a lane freshly painted and kept with the most scrupulous attention the knocker and bell-pull were highly polished flowering pot-herbs garnished the sills of the different windows and curtains of some rich material concealed the interior from the eyes of curious passengers the place had an air of repose and secrecy and harry was so far caught with this spirit that he knocked with more than usual discretion and was more than usually careful to remove all impurity from his boots a servant made of some personal attractions immediately opened the door and seemed to regard the secretary with no unkind eyes this is the parcel from lady vandeleur said harry i know replied the maid with a nod but the gentleman is from home will you leave it with me i cannot answered harry i am directed not to part with it but upon a certain condition and i must ask you i am afraid to let me wait well she said i suppose i may let you wait i am lonely enough i can tell you and you do not look as though you would eat a girl but be sure and do not ask the gentleman's name for that i am not to tell you do you say so cried harry why how strange but indeed for some time back i walk among surprises one question i think i may surely ask without indiscretion is he the master of this house he is a lodger and not eight days old at that returned the maid and now a question for a question do you know lady vandeleur i am her private secretary replied harry with a glow of modest pride she is pretty is she not pursued the servant oh beautiful cried harry wonderfully lovely and not less good and kind you look kind enough yourself she retorted and i wager you are worth a dozen lady vandeleurs harry was properly scandalized i he cried i am only a secretary do you mean that for me said the girl because i am only a housemaid if you please and then relenting at the sight of harry's obvious confusion i know you mean nothing of the sort she added and i like your looks but i think nothing of your lady vandeleur oh these mistresses she cried to send out a real gentleman like you with a bandbox in broad day during this talk they had remained in their original positions she on the doorstep he on the sidewalk bareheaded for the sake of coolness and with the bandbox on his arm but upon this last speech harry who was unable to support such point-blank compliments to his appearance nor the encouraging look with which they were accompanied began to change his attitude and glance from left to right in perturbation in so doing he turned his face towards the lower end of the lane and there to his indescribable dismay his eyes encountered those of general vandeleur the general in a prodigious fluster of heat hurry and indignation had been scouring the streets in chase of his brother-in-law but so soon as he caught a glimpse of the delinquent secretary his purpose changed his anger flowed into a new channel and he turned on his heel and came tearing up the lane with truculent gestures and vociferations harry made but one bolt of it into the house driving the maid before him and the door was slammed in his pursuer's countenance is there a bar will it lock asked harry while a salvo on the knocker made the house echo from wall to wall why what is wrong with you asked the maid is it this old gentleman 
if he gets hold of me whispered harry i am as good as dead he has been pursuing me all day carries a sword-stick and is an indian military officer these are fine matters cried the maid and what if you please may be his name it is the general my master answered harry he is after this bandbox did not i tell you cried the maid in triumph i told you i thought worse than nothing of your lady vandeleur and if you had an eye in your head you might see what she is for yourself an ungrateful minx i will be bound for that the general renewed his attack upon the knocker and his passion growing with delay began to kick and beat upon the panels of the door it is lucky observed the girl that i am alone in the house your general may hammer until he is weary and there's none to open for him follow me so saying she led harry into the kitchen where she made him sit down and stood by him herself in an affectionate attitude with a hand upon his shoulder the din at the door so far from abating continued to increase in volume and at each blow the unhappy secretary was shaken to the heart what is your name asked the girl harry hartley he replied mine she went on is prudence do you like it very much said harry but hear for a moment how the general beats upon the door he will certainly break it in and then in heaven's name what have i to look for but death you put yourself very much about to no occasion answered prudence let your general knock he will do no more than blister his hands do you think i would keep you here if i were not sure to save you oh no i am a good friend to those that please me and we have a back door upon another lane but she added checking him for he had got upon his feet immediately on this welcome news but i will not show where it is unless you kiss me will you harry that i will he cried remembering his gallantry not for your back door but because you are good and pretty and he administered two or three cordial salutes which were returned to him in kind then prudence led him to the back gate and put her hand upon the key will you come and see me she asked i will indeed said harry do not i owe you my life and now she added opening the door run as hard as you can for i shall let in the general harry scarcely required this advice fear had him by the forelock and he addressed himself diligently to flight a few steps and he believed he would escape from his trials and return to lady vandeleur in honour and safety but these few steps had not been taken before he heard a man's voice hailing him by name and many execrations and looking over his shoulder he beheld charlie pendragon waving him with both hands to return the shock of this new incident was so sudden and profound and harry was already worked into so high a state of nervous tension that he could think of nothing better than to accelerate his pace and continue running he should certainly have remembered the scene in kensington gardens he should certainly have concluded that where the general was his enemy charlie pendragon could be no other than a friend but such was the fever and perturbation of his mind that he was struck by none of these considerations and only continued to run the faster up the lane charlie by the sound of his voice and the vile terms that he hurled after the secretary was obviously beside himself with rage he too ran his very best but try as he might the physical advantages were not upon his side and his outcries and the fall of his lame foot on the macadam began to fall farther and farther into the wake harry's hopes began once more to arise the lane was both steep and narrow but it was exceedingly solitary bordered on either hand by garden walls overhung with foliage and for as far as the fugitive could see in front of him there was neither a creature moving nor an open door providence weary of persecution was now offering him an open field for his escape 
alas as he came abreast of a garden door under a tuft of chestnuts it was suddenly drawn back and he could see inside upon a garden path the figure of a butcher's boy with his tray upon his arm he had hardly recognized the fact before he was some steps beyond upon the other side but the fellow had had time to observe him he was evidently much surprised to see a gentleman go by at so unusual a pace and he came out into the lane and began to call after harry with shouts of ironical encouragement his appearance gave a new idea to charlie pendragon who although he was now sadly out of breath once more upraised his voice stop thief he cried and immediately the butcher's boy had taken up the cry and joined in the pursuit this was a bitter moment for the hunted secretary it is true that his terror enabled him once more to improve his pace and gain with every step on his pursuers but he was well aware that he was near the end of his resources and should he meet anyone coming the other way his predicament in the narrow lane would be desperate indeed i must find a place of concealment he thought and that within the next few seconds or all is over with me in this world scarce had the thought crossed his mind than the lane took a sudden turning and he found himself hidden from his enemies there are circumstances in which even the least energetic of mankind learn to behave with vigour and decision and the most cautious forget their prudence and embrace foolhardy resolutions this was one of those occasions for harry hartley and those who knew him best would have been the most astonished at the lad's audacity he stopped dead flung the bandbox over a garden wall and leaping upward with incredible agility and seizing the copestone with his hands he tumbled headlong after it into the garden he came to himself a moment afterwards seated in a border of small rose bushes his hands and knees were cut and bleeding for the wall had been protected against such an escalade by a liberal provision of old bottles and he was conscious of a general dislocation and a painful swimming in the head facing him across the garden which was in admirable order and set with flowers of the most delicate perfume he beheld the back of a house it was of considerable extent and plainly habitable but in odd contrast to the grounds it was crazy ill-kept and of a mean appearance on all other sides the circuit of the garden wall appeared unbroken he took in these features of the scene with mechanical glances but his mind was still unable to piece together or draw a rational conclusion from what he saw and when he heard footsteps advancing on the gravel although he turned his eyes in that direction it was with no thought either for defence or flight the newcomer was a large coarse and very sordid personage in gardening clothes and with a watering pot in his left hand one less confused would have been affected with some alarm at the sight of this man's huge proportions and black and lowering eyes but harry was too gravely shaken by his fall to be so much as terrified and if he was unable to divert his glances from the gardener he remained absolutely passive and suffered him to draw near to take him by the shoulder and to plant him roughly on his feet without a motion of resistance for a moment the two stared into each other's eyes harry fascinated the man filled with wrath and a cruel sneering humour who are you he demanded at last who are you to come flying over my wall and break my gloire de dijon's what is your name he added shaking him and what may be your business here harry could not as much proffer a word in explanation but just at that moment pendragon and the butcher's boy went clumping past and the sound of their feet and their hoarse cries echoed loudly in the narrow lane the gardener had received his answer and he looked down into harry's face with an obnoxious smile a thief he said 
upon my word and a very good thing you must make of it for i see you dressed like a gentleman from top to toe are you not ashamed to go about the world in such a trim with honest folk i dare say glad to buy your cast-off finery second-hand speak up you dog the man went on you can understand english i suppose and i mean to have a bit of a talk with you before i march you to the station indeed sir said harry this is all a dreadful misconception and if you will go with me to sir thomas vandeleur's in eton place i can promise that all will be made plain the most upright person as i now perceive can be led into suspicious positions my little man replied the gardener i will go with you no farther than this station-house in the next street the inspector no doubt will be glad to take a stroll with you as far as eton place and have a bit of afternoon tea with your great acquaintances or would you prefer to go direct to the home secretary sir thomas vandeleur indeed perhaps you think i don't know a gentleman when i see one from a common run the hedge like you clothes or no clothes i can read you like a book here is a shirt that maybe cost as much as my sunday hat and that coat i take it has never seen the inside of ragfair and and then your boots the man whose eyes had fallen upon the ground stopped short in his insulting commentary and he remained for a moment looking intently upon something at his feet when he spoke his voice was strangely altered what in god's name said he is all this harry following the direction of the man's eyes beheld a spectacle that struck him dumb with terror and amazement in his fall he had descended vertically upon the bandbox and burst it open from end to end thence a great treasure of diamonds had poured forth and now lay abroad part trodden in the soil part scattered on the surface in regal and glittering profusion there was a magnificent coronet which he had often admired on lady vandeleur there were rings and brooches eardrops and bracelets and even unset brilliance rolling here and there among the rose-bushes like drops of morning dew a princely fortune lay between the two men upon the ground a fortune in the most inviting solid and durable form capable of being carried in an apron beautiful in itself and scattering the sunlight in a million rainbow flashes good god said harry i am lost his mind raced backwards into the past with the incalculable velocity of thought and he began to comprehend his day's adventures to conceive them as a whole and to recognize the sad imbroglio in which his own character and fortunes had become involved he looked round him as if for help but he was alone in the garden with his scattered diamonds and his redoubtable interlocutor and when he gave ear there was no sound but the rustle of leaves and the hurried pulsation of his heart it was little wonder if the young man felt himself deserted by his spirits and with a broken voice repeated his last ejaculation i am lost the gardener peered in all directions with an air of guilt but there was no face at any of the windows and he seemed to breathe again pick up a heart he said you fool the worst of it is done why could you not say at first there was enough for two two he repeated ay and for two hundred but come away from here where we may be observed and for the love of wisdom straighten out your hat and brush your clothes you could not travel two steps the figure of fun you look just now while harry mechanically adopted these suggestions the gardener getting upon his knees hastily drew together the scattered jewels and returned them to the bandbox the touch of these costly crystals sent a shiver of emotion through the man's stalwart frame his face was transfigured and his eyes shone with concupiscence and indeed 
it seemed as if he luxuriously prolonged his occupation and dallied with every diamond that he handled at last however it was done and concealing the bandbox in his smock the gardener beckoned to harry and preceded him in the direction of the house near the door they were met by a young man evidently in holy orders dark and strikingly handsome with a look of mingled weakness and resolution and very neatly attired after the manner of his caste the gardener was plainly annoyed by this encounter but he put as good a face upon it as he could and accosted the clergyman with an obsequious and smiling air there is a fine afternoon mr rolls said he a fine afternoon as sure as god made it and here is a young friend of mine who had a fancy to look at my roses i took the liberty to bring him in for i thought none of the lodgers would object speaking for myself replied the reverend mr rolls i do not nor do i fancy any of the rest of us would be more difficult upon so small a matter the garden is your own mr raeburn we must none of us forget that and because you give us liberty to walk there we should be indeed ungracious if we so far presumed upon your politeness as to interfere with the convenience of your friends but on second thoughts he added i believe that this gentleman and i have met before mr hartley i think i regret to observe that you have had a fall and he offered his hand a sort of maiden dignity and a desire to delay as long as possible the necessity for explanation moved harry to refuse this chance of help and to deny his own identity he chose the tender mercies of the gardener who was at least unknown to him rather than the curiosity and perhaps the doubts of an acquaintance i fear there is some mistake said he my name is tomlinson and i am a friend of mr raeburn's indeed said mr rolls the likeness is amazing mr raeburn who had been upon thorns through this colloquy now felt it high time to bring it to a period i wish you a pleasant saunter sir said he and with that he dragged harry after him into the house and then into a chamber on the garden his first care was to draw down the blind for mr rawls still remained where they had left him in an attitude of perplexity and thought then he emptied the broken bandbox on the table and stood before the treasure thus fully displayed with an expression of rapturous greed and rubbing his hands upon his thighs for harry the sight of the man's face under the influence of this base emotion added another pang to those he was already suffering it seemed incredible that from his life of pure and delicate trifling he should be plunged in a breath among sordid and criminal relations he could reproach his conscience with no sinful act yet he was now suffering the punishment of sin in its most acute and cruel forms the dread of punishment the suspicions of the good and the companionship and contamination of vile and brutal natures he felt he could lay his life down with gladness to escape from the room and the society of mr raeburn and now said the latter after he had separated the jewels into two nearly equal parts and drawn one of them nearer to himself and now said he everything in this world has to be paid for and some things sweetly you must know mr hartley if such be your name that i am a man of very easy temper and good nature has been my stumbling block from first to last i could pocket the whole of these pretty pebbles if i chose and i should like to see you dare say a word but i think i must have taken a liking to you for i declare i have not the heart to shave you so close so do you see in pure and kind feeling i propose that we divide and these indicating the two heaps are the proportions that seem to me just and friendly do you see any objection mr hartley may i ask i am not the man to stick upon a brooch but sir cried harry what you propose to me is impossible 
the jewels are not mine and i cannot share what is another's no matter with whom nor in what proportions they are not yours are they not returned raeburn and you could not share them with anybody couldn't you well now that is what i call a pity for here i am obliged to take you to the station the police think of that he continued think of the disgrace for your respectable parents think he went on taking harry by the wrist think of the colonies in the day of judgment i cannot help it wailed harry it is not my fault you will not come with me to eaton place no replied the man i will not that is certain and i mean to divide these playthings with you here and so saying he applied a sudden and severe torsion to the lad's wrist harry could not suppress a scream and the perspiration burst forth upon his face perhaps pain and terror quickened his intelligence but certainly at that moment the whole business flashed across him in another light and he saw that there was nothing for it but to accede to the ruffian's proposal and trust to find the house and force him to disgorge under more favourable circumstances and when he himself was clear from all suspicion i agree he said there's a lamb sneered the gardener i thought you would recognise your interests at last this bandbox he continued i shall burn with my rubbish it is a thing that curious folk might recognise and as for you scrape up your gaieties and put them in your pocket harry proceeded to obey raeburn watching him and every now and again his greed rekindled by some brilliant scintillation abstracting another jewel from the secretary's share and adding it to his own when this was finished both proceeded to the front door which raeburn cautiously opened to observe the street this was apparently clear of passengers for he suddenly seized harry by the nape of the neck and holding his face downward so that he could see nothing but the roadway and the doorsteps of the houses pushed him violently before him down one street and up another for the space of perhaps a minute and a half harry had counted three corners before the bully relaxed his grasp and crying now be off with you sent the lad flying head foremost with a well-directed and athletic kick when harry gathered himself up half stunned and bleeding freely at the nose mr raeburn had entirely disappeared for the first time anger and pain so completely overcame the lad's spirits that he burst into a fit of tears and remained sobbing in the middle of the road after he had thus somewhat assuaged his emotion he began to look about him and read the names of the streets at whose intersection he had been deserted by the gardener he was still in an unfrequented portion of west london among villas and large gardens but he could see some persons at a window who had evidently witnessed his misfortune and almost immediately after a servant came running from the house and offered him a glass of water at the same time a dirty rogue who had been slouching somewhere in the neighbourhood drew near him from the other side poor fellow said the maid how vilely you have been handled to be sure why your knees are all cut and your clothes ruined do you know the wretch who used you so that i do cried harry who was somewhat refreshed by the water and i shall run him home in spite of his precautions he shall pay dearly for this day's work i promise you you had better come into the house and have yourself washed and brushed continued the maid my mistress will make you welcome never fear and see i pick up your hat why love of mercy she screamed if you have not dropped diamonds all over the street such was the case a good half of what remained to him after the depredations of mr raeburn had been shaken out of his pockets by the somersault and once more lay glittering on the ground he blessed his fortune that the maid had been so quick of eye there is nothing so bad but it might be worse thought he 
and the recovery of these few seemed to him almost as great an affair as the loss of all the rest but alas as he stooped to pick up his treasures the loiterer made a rapid onslaught overset both harry and the maid with a movement of his arms swept up a double handful of the diamonds and made off along the street with an amazing swiftness harry as soon as he could get upon his feet gave chase to the miscreant with many cries but the latter was too fleet of foot and probably too well acquainted with the locality for turn where the pursuer would he could find no traces of the fugitive in the deepest despondency harry revisited the scene of his mishap where the maid who was still waiting very honestly returned him his hat and the remainder of the fallen diamonds harry thanked her from his heart and being now in no humour for economy made his way to the nearest cab-stand and set off for eaton place by coach the house on his arrival seemed in some confusion as if a catastrophe had happened in the family and the servants clustered together in the hall and were unable or perhaps not altogether anxious to suppress their merriment at the tatterdemalion figure of the secretary he passed them with as good an air of dignity as he could assume and made directly for the boudoir when he opened the door an astonishing and even menacing spectacle presented itself to his eyes for he beheld the general and his wife and of all people charlie pendragon closeted together and speaking with earnestness and gravity on some important subject harry saw at once that there was little left for him to explain plenary confession had plainly been made to the general of the intended fraud upon his pocket and the unfortunate miscarriage of the scheme and they had all made common cause against a common danger thank heaven cried lady vandeleur here he is the bandbox harry the bandbox but harry stood before them silent and downcast speak she cried speak where is the bandbox and the men with threatening gestures repeated the demand harry drew a handful of jewels from his pocket he was very white this is all that remains said he i declare before heaven it was through no fault of mine and if you will have patience although some are lost i am afraid for ever others i am sure may still be recovered alas cried lady vandeleur all our diamonds are gone and i owe ninety thousand pounds for dress madam said the general you might have paved the gutter with your own trash you might have made debts to fifty times the sum you mentioned you might have robbed me of my mother's coronet and ring and nature might have still so far prevailed that i could have forgiven you at last but madam you have taken the rajah's diamond the eye of light as the orientals poetically termed it the pride of kashgar you have taken from me the rajah's diamond he cried raising his hands and all madam all is at an end between us believe me general vandeleur she replied that is one of the most agreeable speeches that ever i heard from your lips and since we are to be ruined i could almost welcome the change if it delivers me from you you have told me often enough that i married you for your money let me tell you now that i always bitterly repented the bargain and if you were still marriageable and had a diamond bigger than your head i should counsel even my maid against a union so uninviting and disastrous as for you mr hartley she continued turning on the secretary you have sufficiently exhibited your valuable qualities in this house we are now persuaded that you equally lack manhood sense and self-respect and i can see only one course open for you to withdraw instanter and if possible return no more for your wages you may rank as a creditor in my late husband's bankruptcy harry had scarcely comprehended this insulting address before the general was down upon him with another and in the meantime said that personage follow me before the nearest inspector of police 
you may impose upon a simple-minded soldier sir but the eye of the law will read your disreputable secret if i must spend my old age in poverty through your underhand intriguing with my wife i mean at least that you shall not remain unpunished for your pains and god sir will deny me a very considerable satisfaction if you do not pick oakum from now until your dying day with that the general dragged harry from the apartment and hurried him downstairs and along the street to the police station of the district here says my arabian author ended this deplorable business of the bandbox but to the unfortunate secretary the whole affair was the beginning of a new and manlier life the police were easily persuaded of his innocence and after he had given what help he could in the subsequent investigations he was even complimented by one of the chiefs of the detective department on the probity and simplicity of his behaviour several persons interested themselves in one so unfortunate and soon after he inherited a sum of money from a maiden aunt in worcestershire with this he married prudence and set sail for bendigo or according to another account for trincomalee exceedingly content and with the best of prospects end of section five read by don w jenkins rancho san diego california shaggybark.blogspot.com